and welcome to the MetaPod, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. I should have had my guest host today do the do the intro, try to do the tongue twister that I like doing. Uh, Max Flow T cast, Stephen Maxlow. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. I just got back from Indianapolis Regionals. Oh, I was supposed to go, oh, hello. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what Sean does in all of his videos. Yeah, yeah, I was going to do that, and then I forgot. But then I remembered. But I just got back from Indianapolis Regionals. The drive back was hectic. Uh, my car exploded. I I'm saw that on Twitter, actually. <laughs> yeah. But then my co-host on my spot, uh, Scott Steckley, saved my life. So uh, we, got, we made it back, and, and he fixed my car. What a, what a guy. Oh, we're good. A little tired, but we're all right. <laughs> so for anyone who does not know whether that's on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple, um, you may be hearing a different voice other than Sean. Sean is in the wide, gigantic state of Texas. And because I'm actually also leaving shows, Sean is coming back from Texas today at the time of this recording. And I am leaving for Texas tomorrow um when this episode releases so we decided to call an audible today bring on our good friend those of you that know the lore longtime listeners will know of max low he's been on the pod we've been on his pod we're pod buddies in the pokemon trading card game we've had about the same amount of episodes i think um i think y'all are one ahead of me but yeah i think we're both in the 90s so been going pretty much the same amount of time you know pandemic startups as they uh, say, but we've got a lot to talk about today because there were not only just Indianapolis regionals that Maxwell attended over here and can give testaments and talk about the different decks, but there was also a regional championship in Brazil and also a special event that happened over in Spain. But, you know, Maxwell, we, we do this every single time. Every single time we talk about a lovely lovely review that was left on apple Podcasts, youtube comments things like that so starting it off with the five star review we are at 98 ratings by the way on apple so we're coming up on 100 episodes here on the podcast almost 100 ratings on apple would love to see if we could get 100 ratings before we get to 100 episodes but this one is coming from Shadow721. Fun to listen to, five-star review. Lovely podcast. Just started listening, and I'm on hopscotching all the way along the back catalog of episodes, enjoying them all. I may not play the game so much, but I did get back into collecting. Thank you, COVID. And I enjoy listening to y'all's discussion of all aspects of the Pokemon trading card game current events nfts logan paul shenanigans etc and you both clearly have a great report and a lot of knowledge awesome job thank you so much and maxwell obviously you know the great report as well and bringing on the excellent knowledge one of the one of the guests that we've been able to showcase the lovely skills um but (laughs) How much uh, Maxlow collecting do you do personally, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I do a little bit. I do follow it a lot. Um, actually, it's funny because I just started uh, this thing. Um, I started playing six years ago. Not a big deal. And <laughs> but <laughs> Longer I than I've been all, playing. <laughs> I've, been, I've been collecting like a deck 
uh, one of my favorite decks from each year I've been playing. So, like, I've just bought all of Evil Tall Garb and, like, Zoro Guardi, if you guys were playing and girls were playing in the uh, old days, you know what I'm talking about. If not, they're just old old decks that I really like. So I do a little bit. There is a collector's item that I know I'm interested in. I don't know if I'll be able to get this, but Maxlow, the Pokemon Sword and Shield Precious Collector Box. This is literally for everybody. This is a phenomenal thing that has just been announced so this is off of pokeguardian.com the collection the precious collector's box has been revealed now if you don't remember there was a sun and moon type product as well that was similar to this it was very exclusive it came out in japan and it came with a lot of items but maxlow this box is incredible in my opinion there are plenty of things here if you are seeing on the screen in the images first we're going to talk about this promo card that you get this absolutely beautifully illustrated promo by Uribe, and it is just incredible many many illustrations the urshifu the calyrex zorark inteleon crobat and pikachu on this and out of 10 Maxlow, ten being incredibly awesome, best card ever. What would you what would you rate this art? I'd give it a solid either nine or ten for two reasons. One, I thought this was cool. I think I don't know who pointed it out on Twitter, but they said that this card defines the Sword and Shield meta. You have the Crobat that represents Crobat V, Zacian for Zacian V, the Inteleons because the Inteleon engine. Urshifu, Shadow Rider, Calyrex, and then I guess Hisui and Zoroark's about to take over when it comes out in a few months. So, and that was my second reason because it has Hisui and Zoroark, which is <laughs> my one of, if not my most favorite Pokemon that to come out in the last year. So th this card's gorgeous, and I, it's a really good callback to the last few years of Sword and Shield Pokemon TCG, I think. I 100% agree with that. And, you know, we've been hyped up on, like, character rares, especially different things like that, just beautiful alternate illustrations. And this, in my opinion, takes the cake. Like you said, you know, from that tweet, the summary of this is the entire Sword and Shield era, not only from just an artistic perspective as well. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of influence in terms of the sets as well. We talked about it on the competitive side just now, but even on the collector's side, you know, you have the Battle Styles era with the Urshifu. You have the Chilling Rain era with the Calyrex, Crobat, Zacian, part of the Sword and Shield base set area, especially, you know, Crobat being part of the toolkit as well. And then, like, Inteleon, you know, not only do you have Shady Dealings, which we've talked about has been a huge influence competitively and was also promos of like pre-releases and, you know, part of the base set and has been included in many, many different uh, competitive products that have been released as well. But also the VMAX on top of that, just incredible, incredible stuff, you know, just tying everything together in this product but don't worry you're going to get a ton of other stuff alongside this including this beautiful beautiful binder that also has 
a bunch of the Sword and Shield era influence. If you're looking at this image now, this has kind of a a print. I don't know what you what do you what would you call this in in bed? Like what's this like pattern? I think it's like embedded, but that is unreal. There is. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Maxwell is just like look. flabbergasted looking at this image. I highly encourage look at the YouTube video, look at the Spotify video if you can. There are a bunch of different card illustrations. So think of the embedded like kind of prints being the actual cards. You know, you have the Marnie Fuller, you have the Galarian Moltres on here, you have Mew V Max, Scoop Up Net, even even heavily influenced trainer cards of the competitive format are just imprinted on this intense awesome beautiful binder you know there's luminion in here zamazenta zashin charizard v max right on the front there's umbreon v max down there crobat this is an incredible binder this is probably one of the coolest binders that i have seen printed and i highly encourage if you can get this which we'll talk about here shortly how you can get this it's just absolutely incredible it also is three by three pages as well and the pages are also side inserts so if you don't know what i'm talking about there's two different types of ways that you insert your cards into page binders some of them kind of the old-fashioned style i will call it or how i remember you know being a kid with sports cards and pokemon cards you would always insert the card top down but in these kind of newer generations or how i've started to notice it within the last couple years there is side inserts from left to right and that's how this binder does it which is honestly my preferred way i much prefer doing it from the side so excellent excellent opportunity but i'm not even gonna let you talk about how hype this is because we still got a ton of stuff to go that's coming up alongside this you do get a deck box as well it looks like it probably holds more than one deck if you're looking at this right now um it is kind of a uh i would assume it's like a leather print almost in terms of the style it's a flap that goes over um in the box it's also got that same imprint of the different card arts you know you see luminion zashian zamazenta mu v max etc on this you have different uh deck box dividers so if you've ever bought like a deck box you know or you've even opened an etb an elite trainer box that's exactly what those is those dividers that you get to whether you divide your deck by trainers you know pokemon energies or you just say hey here's one deck here's another deck or you know your favorite artists if you're organizing cards in this way that is what that is you also which i also think is one of the coolest things you get this card stand as well so this is a stand that comes in it where you can showcase you know your favorite card this specifically has on their precious collection so it's a stand that really showcases that precious collection it has a uh, an outline a uh, type of thing around where the card is inserted that shows again 
the different prints of the different cards on there. So Mu VMAX, Zamazenta, Luminion, etc., etc. And whether you put your new Pikachu promo to encapsulate your sword and shield experience or whatever your treasured card is, you would insert it in this frame, keep it protected, keep it safe, and also have just an incredibly sweet display on it and also in that display you can put a little you know card protector case i think it's like a plastic or glass-esque type case that can help keep your card protected sturdy etc and it's got a little pokeball on the back that says pokemon card game and it, it, how do you feel about this maxlo you've just been staring in awe i know i've been talking yeah. away but give it what do you think um i think it's gorgeous i don't like the lettering too much like if i wish i'm a minimal guy so like where they put the precious co collector box on that it was like eh you could have probably went without that and then um uh what is it oh the the case the frame case there's only two pokemon that need to go in there that's uh <laughs> shiny impy dimp and the metapod from base set so yeah there take we go. With, take if, that information with what you will. If only I could. Well, I would never, never do this. But Sean for Christmas got me a PSA first edition Metapod. And maybe one day I'll crack it open and and uh, oh, put it in. I would, I would never crack it open. No, Sean is uh, Sean's about to have a heart attack. But you got, got your the Japanese PSA 10 uh, MP dip, so. it's just such a good card like Shining Fates and VMAX Climax and stuff were such good sets but if you yeah. want this this is a little bit of the interesting part it is 17,600 yen which I honestly actually do not know what that is it's uh oops not euros I wanted oh, to say I yeah that was going to be $18,000 but that is a hundred and 34 and a half ish usd dollars for all of my uh uh for all of our us audience and i don't know what it is in euros that is going to be have to be something that you'll look up but especially with this this is going to be made to order that's the biggest thing so a lot of people when they look at this they're worried that oh my gosh like it's going to be scalped all the heck it's going to be uh, resold for thousands of thousands of dollars just like the sun and moon era one but don't worry just take your sweet time to pre-order you can pre-order this and it will get to you on that pre-order now in terms of the pre-order this is going to be the interesting part because this is pokemon center online japan as we've talked about with these products in the past you have to pre-order it and ship it to a japanese address and so for me and maxwell for instance we can't just have it sent to our house right we can't just go on the pokemon uh center online and just be like oh send it to p sherman 42 wallaby way sydney you know and that is not how the pokemon company online in japan works so you're going to have to use a third party service in order to get it sent to you, which is very common in terms of, you know, uh, people in the United States or countries outside of Japan that do collect. If you do want a recommendation of who to go to, I would definitely go to my buddy 
uh okay j love he is a wonderful member that i know and a friend i would consider he lives in australia he covers pokemon japanese cards i'm pretty sure he has plenty of youtube videos and different ways of telling people how to make orders from the pokemon center online in japan if you do not have a uh, japanese address you're just like maxwell and i outside of the states but i i mean i got a full-time job now maxlow i I'm, i don't make millions of dollars but i i do make enough money to survive and i'm gonna be honest like this is really tempting like even if i i would probably pay upwards of 200 dollars for this in my honest opinion yeah yeah it's it's a gorgeous piece of uh it's a gorgeous thing to collect for sure and it, it who knows Keep it sealed. Put it next to your uh, your your gold coin card from uh, Burger King and uh, call it good. You actually can't see it, but I do have one. I have the uh, Jigglypuff, I think, the Burger King coin. It's like somewhere yeah. up there. But I also have, you know, my ancient Mew that oh, I got, you know, way back in the day and, and saved. But anyways, enough with the shenanigans. We had three tournaments that went on over the weekend three major tournaments if that in the play pokemon series the one that maxlow went to the one that i wanted to go to you know i i spent six years in the city and I unfortunately with work to go to <laughs> <laughs> well unfortunately with work i could not attend the indianapolis yeah. regional there were over one thousand masters that competed in this event Maxlow, just before we get into, you know, like top eight and things like that, kind of give a testament because you were actually at the event. You know, you were, I would say, the first on the pod since it started back up that's been, you know, to a regional style event, a gigantic event. So kind of give a testimony, if you will, to how the event was. Uh, the event was incredible. One of the first things you notice, like, people who played in tournaments before the uh, pandemic was the spacing of the tables. So like before you would just have lines and lines and it would just, everybody would be crammed up into one Um the TOs in round three events managed to fit all those people who were playing in this tournament, space it out to two games of table. And it just, it felt so much my anxiety was less than that. Um, <laughs> I will say, was, like, I saw pictures and stuff of it, and I saw testaments from, like, Will Post, and um, Will Post on Twitter was talking about how, like, it was so easy for judges to, like, move around and spectators and competitors alike just, just like, do stuff, and everybody was like, you know what, let's, let's keep it this way. Like, let's just do this forever, but continue on. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we should, too, no matter what. But, I mean, the event was ran very smooth. Um, one of the things I did want to talk about, I don't know how much we're going to get into the whole meta of the thing, was uh, the fact that Urshifu VMAX was, like, not really a thing. It felt like I didn't see any. Well, I saw one out of nine rounds, which was insane. But that's a, that's another conversation for later on. But uh, just the event was incredible, and seeing all the old and new faces from everywhere. I think it was almost the biggest regionals of all time. 
I think almost, if it wasn't, it was pretty doggone close. Yeah, it was close. There was only one other time. It was Collinsville back in 2019 that hit over a thousand players that a regional did. I think um, that was the last regional before the pandemic. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Collinsville, the standard Collinsville, which was in 2019, like early 2019. Oh yes, yes, yes. Because um, 2020 was the one where everyone, uh, where the world the shut, down. Yeah. shut down. Yeah. Yeah, but and that was expanded. Um, so expanded never gets standard <laughs> numbers ever. So, but it was it was well ran, a lot of fun. You know, it was really good to see everyone again and new people that I've and Jake has probably met on online during the pandemic era. So it was really it was really awesome to show face for sure. That's what my two cents. I I wish I could have been there. I'll try my best to be at uh, NAIC over that's Columbus, right? They're doing it in Columbus again. Unfortunately, but Unfor- yeah. I liked I went as a spectator in 2019. <laughs> And I thought it was really, really cool. I had a lot of fun. But anyways. I, I, got no, I got no beef with it at Columbus. I just, I got to stay on brand. All right, let's go Michigan. All right, all right, all right. Well, well we need to talk about the different yeah. standings. We need to talk about the decks that excelled. So shout out to Ian Rob. Ian Rob, a Pokemon player that we've talked about several times already in this young comeback in the season. He ended up winning the event with Arceus V-Star, Inteleon, and a bunch of different counter birds. This is a list that he's been playing for a little bit and constantly refining. So if you do not, I'm actually not going to show the whole thing because then my fat head would be covering it up. But here is the list if you're watching this on YouTube uh, or Spotify. One of the biggest interesting things to note about this Arceus bird box Inteleon list that is different than prior is the inclusion of Medicham V. So, Maxlo, you're looking at this list. You're a competitive player. Talk about the different things that maybe surprise you of this list. Talk about maybe the cool factors and the cool different combos that we're able to play in this list, etc., etc. So, first and foremost, this list is sick. Um, the one that Ian Rob took to SLC before this rendition of it, I was a huge fan of just because of all the different counter mechanisms and stuff like that. Um, but the inclusion of Medicham V was something that I, uh, was thinking about before the tournament, or I, I guess when it was like introduced as a thing in Liverpool regionals, if I'm correct. Wondering if you could hit the proper numbers, uh, for Arceus because Arceus can do one. 180 without a choice belt and a double turbo energy 200 if you have a completely set up arceus with all the energy on it without a choice belt um one so i was wondering if those numbers worked and apparently with the inclusion of also quick shooting and teleon being able to use the yoga loop to take an extra turn to even further set up your your board state is it's just a, f- a fantastic uh inclusion but I think the real MVP of this deck, if I were to ask Ian Rob right now, and, and if I were to bet, is the two energy search and two energy switch. Because being able to accelerate with Galarian Moltres, um, with that Dire Flame Wings ability that lets you bring it back from uh, accelerate a dark energy onto Galarian Moltres, 
from the discard pile and only being able to use it once per turn. Using something like Energy Switch to manipulate your attackers in any way you want um, was really, that's a really good uh, inclusion to the deck for sure, especially because he does play the one Galarian Zapdos and the one uh, Galarian, or not Galarian, it's just a regular Hoopa. <laughs> I will say one thing that if you did get to watch the Indianapolis stream, the Bilbao stream, the Johnville stream, um, is that Arceus decks really struggle when they don't get that turn one energy, regardless if they're going first or second. The big game plan, the big thing that you want to do on your first turn is to get an energy down, whether that is a basic energy or a special energy. And so like Maxwell was talking about, especially in the beginning of the game, having those energy searches and energy switches are huge factors in terms of getting that off because you want your deck to be as consistent as possible to stick to the game plan that you provide. And I mean, nine times out of 10, you are trying to do that with the RCS, getting that first turn attachment. So that only helps you so much more, I will say in this. And the Medicham, I totally agree, you know, being able, especially with the chilling rain, quick shooting and Teleon, you know, we talked about in previous weeks on this podcast, how it's really fallen off and, you know, people recognizing the, uh, I don't want to say superiorness of shady dealings, but shady dealings is really freaking good. You know, I think everybody can agree with that and how important it is to provide that consistency, but excellent, excellent list piloting this i will say though my favorite list max low to come from this event one thing i want to mention real quick is ian rob tweeted under it um he said that metacham v was a added as a counter to dunsparce but he found other uses and then he said energy switch was the best card in the deck so I was right on the money. Let's go. <laughs> Maxlow, Maxlow, you know, there's a reason why I asked him to be on this pod for this week. You know, very knowledgeable, very, very good at what he does and analyzing. Makes content on YouTube and Twitch uh, of the Pokemon Trading Card Game. So go follow, go follow, go, go like follow. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Also, we got to talk about, we got to talk about Bradders. If you follow me personally on Twitter, you know, my personal Twitter account, you know, I love the freaking bees. You know that Drill in Bradner's Arceus Inteleon list was awesome, in my opinion. An excellent, excellent job using Single Strike Mustard, a supporter that we've talked about in the past, especially, I think, like a couple weeks ago. This was huge. You know, using Mustard to get that Drill out and to use the single grass attachment to knock out one hit ko muse arceus especially because arceus are using double turbos anything that has special energy which is huge in this format at this point just knocking it out knocking it out knocking it out but also utilizing arceus dunsparce even you know there's a zigzagoon in there as well to to really hit the money and you know all of the boys in this you know this is american group that uh isaiah bradner is part of with rahul sam chen who did excellent in this tournament you're really just piloting this list very very well so talk to me a little bit about this list maxlow 
This is another list that I was super impressed to see do well. I heard Isaiah and all of them at the tournament talk about it. And my first thought was, well, if there's Mew players playing two psychic energies, they're going to win this tournament. But it's not just persisting that knocks out with uh, the spe- knocks out your opponent's Pokemon with the special energy on it. That second attack is nasty, too, because everybody was playing uh, counters to Urshifu, the Galarian Hoop. Oh, God, jeez, Galarian. <laughs> the Hoopa, Galarian Moltres, the V and the Baby one, they're all weak to grass. So doing 110 um, is 220. Perfect math on taking a knockout on those things, too, with a single prizer. So you're always favoring in the prize trade against dark counters and stuff like that. You're a little short on Umbreon's, but there wasn't a lo- lot of Umbreon's, so that didn't really Hasn't matter. been a lot of Umbreon's in the lead. No, I mean, Sander did, but uh, that's a whole different yeah. kind of Umbreon, I would say, than what most yeah, people yeah, anticipate. Yeah. For sure. So, like, I think the Beedrill's utility in this last tournament was unreal. It was a very strong card for the event, especially, uh, as I was saying earlier, the Urshifu counts were very, very small. And but Isaiah had all the proper text for that. The Manaphy, the Dunsparce, and then he played the ordinary rod to recycle those back if they do get the knockout on those things. So his Arceuses were protected. He had a solid backup single prize attacker, and then all the consistency consistency in the world. And yeah, I can't wait to get my greasy hands on this one too. <laughs> I if it wasn't for Arceus V Star being kind kind of expensive. I would say I would be buying this deck up and and playing it to all heck until, well, I don't know how it's going to fare when Astral Radiance comes out, but one can only hope. Um, But one thing I really, really like in this list is the inclusion of Air Balloon. You know, Air Balloon, really, really good for the different pivots in the Pokemon trading card game. It's very good a lot of times to have a pivot type Pokemon, whether that's a Pokemon that has free retreat to where you can constantly bring back or using attachments or manual retreats or different switching options to be able to switch between different Pokemon. And this worked out really well a lot of times for Bradner because, well, Beedrill, when you get Beedrill out with Single Strike Mustard, whether you're using the Sting Attack to knock out Pokemon with Special Energies or Jet Spear, as well as Maxwell was talking about how important that move was during Bradner's run against different Dark-type Pokemon and things like that, that Pokemon, Beedrill, gets put on the bench, and so you have to get into it some way, and with the attachments a lot of times for Arceus, you don't want to discard the double turbo. You don't want to discard, you know, two basic energies or the capture energy that is attached to it. And so having that air balloon, especially because you can find it very easily with shady dealings, that ability, once again, that we just keep talking about provides consistency, allowed Bradner to, in situations, retreat right into the Beedrill and not have to worry about losing energies in certain aspects, um, which I thought was really, really cool. It's not something that we've seen a ton of, in my opinion. and. Um, it's worked out really well. Can also be used to really pivot any bad starter like Dunsparce or Zigzagoon. So, I mean, there's a lot of options and a lot of paths in this deck, but only one research, I will say. It's, I'm always scared when decks only have one research. I think it's fine just because 
uh, Rapid Strike Mustard draws cards too. Because mm-hmm. like most uh, Arceus decks, they either run two Marnie and one uh, two Research, and then maybe an Avery uh, to draw cards. Um, so it's always usually really low on draw supporters anyway. Um, so actually, it's a higher count than normal. <laughs> I will say, listening to Isaiah Bradner talk in like post-match interviews, which, by the way, I don't know if Bradner listens to this podcast. We've had him on the podcast as a guest before, but dude, you should really think about casting at uh, yeah. Pokemon events because he is a very he's a very good talker in a microphone. Or start your own pod, my man. Yeah, do, I mean, <laughs> you could really do that as well. You know, he's a very personable person. But what he was saying as well in terms of in this list is. You know, you would think sometimes that single strike mustard is a hard combo to get off. But, you know, a lot of people actually mentioned this as well. The different people they were using mustard combos because there were a couple different Beedrill lists. I believe Ryan Sablehouse also played um, Arceus Beedrill in this like little group that was a I think he was top 15 or something close to that. He did very, very well. Uh, 20th overall. That's what it was. Not top 15, but very, very close. One thing that they would say is oh, there were many times that they didn't even have to use Starbirth to get off the Rapid Strike Mustard because of something like Shady Dealings, because of Ultra Ball and different cards that allow you to discard different options, get back different options, bring out those necessary pieces to be able to pull off these combos. So I think... At first, the Beedrill was just a meme by Andrew Mahone, you know, sparking the, you know what, I just like knocking out Mew VMAX and let's just have fun doing it. But turning into a deck that is viable, a deck that is strategic and has a lot of different options as well has just been incredibly thrilling to see, in my opinion. I absolutely love cards like Beedrill. Yeah, for sure. It's a very it keeps the format honest. Having something that just like one shot or knocks out anything with special energies on it, it keeps all special energy decks in check a little bit. I will say as well, there were plenty of special energy in the uh, top eight of this event. Oops, that was the wrong thing to move. I'm just moving this over real quick. In the top eight, there were. I think five different Arceus decks in Indianapolis. And then the other three were Mew VMAX. Did you expect, Maxlow, don't lie to me here. Did you expect that kind of top eight for this event after we've seen, you know, Rapid Strike Urshifu, Whimsicott, you know, Whimsicott being the preventer of special energies? Um, did you expect a top eight like this? Uh, No. Because I was he- very much anticipating Urshifu VMAX. And as I said earlier, I didn't, um, I, har- I saw one. And uh, even the people I went with, not hardly any of them, any of them saw Urshifu VMAX. So I think people came prepared for that, which that being like the heavy counter towards Mew and Arceus, if that's getting, you know, pushed down by other things, then the two big decks, Arceus and Mew, would rise up. So if I had known that Urshifu was going to be the least popular of them, then maybe. But no, I don't think I would have would have expect Arceus and Mew in one time. It's 
Um, I I did honestly think Mew was going to win the event though this week uh, before the tournament started. So let's talk about Mew Vman. Oh no! Don't tell me I can't see this list because Facebook. Oh boy. But if you want to talk about Mew VMAX, let's see if there's another I, list I can I, pull up. I saw that one. So whatever you pull up is uh that one had Andrew Estrada played three Pokemon catchers and two psychic energies. Yeah, so a little bit different in terms of the deck that I'm gonna showcase right now. Um Andrew Estrada, who got third place at the event, um he uh 2014 world champion so very very renowned player was playing diff a different list than what a lot of people are because again like you said the pokemon catchers using relying on coin flips you know and with not only cramomatic but also the uh the catchers as well and not like he wasn't playing boss you can just play lower counts of boss to be able to ensure you know the supporter that you're using for that turn is marnie is uh eliza elisa eliza i still don't know how to pronounce it it's been ten thousand years but it was um, year 1458 <laughs> and her name was eliza and now it's elisa anyway i'll never know how to pronounce it but i will know that it's a pretty good card that people include in these lists so we're going to go over to dr joe bro top eight in indianapolis part of the the uh part of the crew with the pittsburgh pokemon podcast you may know them i've sean and i have both been a part of their podcast and group wonderful wonderful people but this is what to meet him shout out to the pittsburgh pokemon pod i met him over the weekend excellent wonderful. excellent crew also they have a jake on their pod as well so yeah the yeah, the jake's he's a penguins fan i got problems <laughs> anyways <laughs> this mew v max list kind of in a lot of senses is similar playing the correct switch art i will say so definitely joseph perez a, a person that you can trust i will say with that base set switch art i don't know if this is the x and y reprint but it's the same art pretty much so doesn't matter kind of talk about this list a little bit is this really like something that we've seen differently is this uh you know if it ain't broke don't fix it type of deck I think it's a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it uh, kind of deck. Um, I played Mew VMAX as well. I went five and four. Um, so he didn't, uh, he didn't opt for much of the text, like the one Marnie. He did play the Echoing Horn. But the, I think the one big difference between his list and like most lists is the fact that he opted for three Mew V instead of four Mew V. And uh, he just replaced that with what looks to be uh, just a consistency card like the fourth Rotom phone. I played three Rotom phone because I played four MUVs and I played one less switching out. But other than that, yeah, this is uh, your cut and dry. I just want to play a consistent deck for the tournament and see if I can get top eight. And he opted for Mew and obviously it paid off. <laughs> so it, it is definitely. I mean, yeah. the three booster boxes, top eight, man, I would just. I can't imagine winning. He's got that. six alt art Charizards in there. So you think he didn't get the money? No. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the uh, different parts of the list as well. You know, your stadiums as well. Two Rose Towers, one Training Cord. Playing three Eliza Sparkle and three 
boss uh reminder again this isn't like a catcher's list i believe um i believe andrew estrada had two boss in his list i'm not 100 percent sure on that but right. that's what i'm that's what i, I right. okay so two boss and you know just a typical list you know we've seen now the inclusion back with oracorio you know oracorio that support pokemon is it 20 less damage or 30 20 so minus 20 with oracorio's ability to fusion strike pokemon so that math coming into play again this time around especially when you talk about the different little baby galarian moltres in listen with all those dark counters so excellent inclusion you also have echoing horn to be able to bring up certain pokemon potentially with a boss combo or just clutter up the bench as well with this list and uh, i mean again like we said if it ain't broke don't fix it maxlow but one of the things that you mentioned that I do want to stick on is the uh, missingness, I guess you could say, the, 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 the lack Urshifu, of. yeah, lack of Urshifu. You know, Urshifu the last couple of weeks, especially uh, with the win over in Europe, Urshifu dominated for a long time in terms of a couple of weeks, and we finally saw it really just drop off and i think that's a combination of like you were saying people trying to counter it but also just people being afraid of being countered you know it's done well for consecutive weekends and so people are now like okay how do we take this thing down but there was one urshifu that did pretty well and none other than one of the greatest players in the modern era and in pokemon trading card game history toward Reckliff over at Bilbao SPE, the special event that went on. We're switching tournaments now. Rapid Strike Urshifu. And of course, with Rapid Strike Urshifu, you have your dark counters as well, because, well, you have almost no way of beating Mew VMAX if you don't have uh, dark counters in your Urshifu list. But also, the inclusion of the Medicham V over here. We talked about the Medicham earlier in uh ian rob's list and the importance and so a lot of those things can also be uh said once again in terms of the medicham v but this list very very interesting there was a uh the deck list error in terms of uh for toward reckless so had to play the top eight stuff without the ultra ball which is kind of a big deal because Ultra Ball, especially when you talk about Shady Dealings, Evolution Pokemon like Urshifu, or really just grabbing any Pokemon, it's kind of a big deal. But in terms of this list, very, very good list. Talk to me a little bit about the things that you like in this list, Maxlow. One of the, uh, the first thing I like about it is the fact that he kind of took what Gustavo Wada was playing with the Big Bird uh, Moltres, and I think that's it. <laughs> um, like adding the Big Bird Moltres, I can't see if there's anything else. Maybe the second Sony. No, he played two Averys. Uh, Gustavo did. Adding the Big Bird Moltres to give a bigger presence of a backup attacker earlier in the game, as opposed to waiting out uh, your opponent taking prizes for the Baby Moltres. 
to be an effector. He also had the Hoopa, and the Metacham, I think, is just nasty, if you can get that off. I know it can be a little niche at times, like, oh, I can, if I get exactly 20 damage counters on a Pokemon and knock it out, I get to take another turn. But it's very useful because you can set up some serious plays. And also, the last thing I want to mention is that one water energy, because Aqua Bullet is a nasty attack, too, on the Shady Dealings Inteleon. Doing 120 to the active and 20 to the bench to set up more numbers. And plus, that's just another single prize attacker to do some damage I really like. And who's shocked that Tord got into the finals of a tournament, right? Again, one of the one of the best players in the world and for a long time at that. But again, you know, talking about that Medicham, you know, once again, we see this Medicham paired up with a quick shooting Inteleon, a card that we talked about again in previous weeks had fallen off to shady dealings, but the two cards going hand in hand. And again, with that water energy, you know, doing just a little bit of spread, just putting your damage in different places to hit those big numbers, whether it's in terms of using those numbers for knockouts or setting up a yoga loop or, you know, G max rapid flow, another spread. Also one of the, only lists I feel like that play more copies of Sonya than any other supporter in the deck. So you see the two Sonyas in this list, Sonya on the rise in terms of uh, value in a lot of these different decks, whether that's grabbing, you know, a basic energy for your first turn attachment or grabbing Pokemon, whether that's your Sobbles, your Moltres, Urshifus, any of those cards that you need and just playing a wide array of one of supporters we've seen so many different one of supporters grow the last couple weeks since uh uh philip or no robin wait who won uh robin robin Schultz. robin i always get them mixed up but robin i don't blame you <laughs> robin having so many different one ofs in his urshifu list has been bleeding into everybody's list as well you know having a one of of avery Birdkeeper, boss ryan cheryl peonia clara and cynthia's ambition being able to get any of those back with pow pad to be able to use them effectively twice but just having such a wide array and such a vast amount of different options as well because i mean i'm going to say it again shady dealings just an incredible incredible engine that we have seen time and time again in this and this is probably one of the only urshifu lists that really did well in the event but it's not the winning list i mean we don't actually have the winning list i think the winning list is being uh saved for a youtube video but alessandro i'm gonna botch his last name Kremascoli. i don't know if that's how you pronounce it but you may know them on youtube as icatterpie this is the content creator icatterpie ended up winning bilbao at uh, the Bilbao SPE with Whimsicott V-Star, 11-0-6. So Whimsicott kind of slowing down the game as well. We've talked about in the past. This is an excellent example of that, you know, having six ties in this event. But 11 wins and going undefeated, really, throughout the uh, entire event. And, you know, we've seen Whimsicott and how it's kind of built, but really interesting to see it jump up so far and you know 
Maxwell, if you could just talk about real quick the different strengths maybe that Wimscott provides as a deck when you're talking about, you know, the format right now. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to diss on my man I Caterpie. I or Frank Persick for that matter. Their runs were incredible. Uh I Caterpie winning and Frank getting second at EUIC. But I played one or two at uh <laughs> Whimsicott at Indy. I I can't remember if it was one or two, but either way, I just I steamrolled it. <laughs> <laughs> and I I looked at the my friends and I was like, how how are people doing anything with this? Like they have a single attachment per turn. Um I did see I don't I don't think it was Alessandro's list, so I don't want to say he put it in there, but if it's in his YouTube video, that's actually incredible. But I saw an, a Whimsicott list that did well at a tournament on Twitter, um, just scrolling, and it played one of the Celebration Zacian. Um, because I felt like I felt like the biggest weakness for um, for Whimsicott is the fact that the list that Frank ran and that some people tried to. Uh, not that one. The uh, yeah, the, yeah, Celebration. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. This one. Yeah. Um the fact that in one like on your first turn you just attach a single energy, you don't get to attack. You don't get to really do anything. And even if you go second and you attach a uh, energy to do the fluff ball thing that prevents attacks from basic Pokemon, your opponent if they're playing Mew Vmax just runs through it with a Mew Vmax. And then once you lose that one energy on the board, it's really slow. But you do have to hit all your hammerheads and all the energy disruption and ability disruption it has playing Path to the Peak and stuff like that makes the deck not care about being slow. But I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're doing it. I, I do, Whimsicott, but, I, but I am a hater. I ain't going to lie to you. I do think that with Whimsicott lists, it's a, uh, it's a little bit more difficult to pilot because, again, you're slowing down the game. You have a lot more um intense actions you know you're i feel like personally with whimsicott more than other decks you have sort of uh making wrong decisions you get a lot more uh backlash in terms of those decisions like you have you have a lot more problems when you make the wrong choice or maybe not the correct line of play. But I do agree the Zashian V from Celebrations, if you do not know this Zashian V, the psychic 220 HP Pokemon with the ability Roar of the Sword. Once during your turn, you may search your deck for a psychic energy card and attach it to one of your Pokemon. Then shuffle your deck. If you use this ability, your turn ends. I do agree that this card is a terrific inclusion because whether it's your first or when it is your first turn i guess is what i should say whether you're going first or second you're probably not attacking especially with the aggressive decks in the format like whimsicott and things like or i'm sorry not whimsicott it's not aggressive mu v max you know you talk about how a mu v max can just steamroll a whimsicott at some points when they're not being preventative using special energy, you're probably not gonna have your Whimsicott V in the active at all because it's gonna die probably if it's there in the active. So having the ability to always on your first turn, almost always I should say, you do have to find it and put it in play, the Zacian V, but having that ability to basically guarantee once you have the zashi and v in play guarantee an energy attachment on that whimsicott which is so 
instrumental in the game is huge for the deck and huge for the consistency as well. I believe Andrew Mahone, when he posted his list, had that in there. And Riley uh, Holbert getting top. That was, uh, the, list. That was the list I saw, yeah. I believe Riley Holbert getting 12th overall in the event with the Whimsicott V-Star list, which we can look at real quick. Shout out to the Tag Team yeah. Podcast. Been a part of their podcast. Excellent, excellent podcast. But um, this is kind of probably what it looks like for the most part in terms of I Caterpie's list. You know, you were talking about the hammers in there, the four hammers, the three waves, fan of waves, and different cards like Path to the Peak as well. So I would say pretty standard Whimsicott list. Um, if you were to look at all the different Whimsicott lists, um, in the format as of right now but a good one if that in the new inclusion of zashian v just being so good don't play whims without zashian is the exact uh <laughs> it's the exact uh quote from riley but just a really really good list and honestly i i really thought whimscott would go down a lot i feel like maybe not too many people played it i mean I, it definitely uh didn't have the drop off in player numbers or you know just success as urshifu did this past weekend but again i think this deck is really hard to pilot i think it has much more decisions that have much more backlash in terms of if you make the wrong line of play and but it's a good list especially if your opponent doesn't have the absolute stones maybe they just have an average start i do think you can get an advantage um so long as you set up your bibberals and things like that but not necessarily a different top eight over in Bilbao. i mean aside from the whimsicar rapid strike urshifu you do have the typical rest of the top eight of mew and arceus decks in here malamar and teleon love my squids getting ninth in this event but not a fan of that either <laughs> sean let's talk about the most or i said sean wolf man hey yeah it looks like oh, you're about hello. to be replacing yeah it looks like yeah sean better watch out and he better come back soon um but anyways the most interesting list in my opinion to come out of this weekend was the winning list of the joanville regionals of arceus lucario v-star we talked about lucario i'm sorry if you have to turn your head sideways to look at this image but lucario v-star now getting a regional win very young in its introduction into the format but kind of talk to me a little bit about this list maxwell there's a lot to unpack here so with this list um i think i think it was a Zul gg who started talking about like Arceus Bibero with the dark package. Um, it didn't have the Lucarios in it, but like when you take the Lucarios, uh, Lucarios out and uh, just look at what Azul was, I think promoting on his YouTube channel and stuff like that, or he, I think he even played some online tournaments. That's what the basis of this deck is. You get the Crobat V Max that auto wins Malamar. Um, we can talk later about that, Jake. Um, you got the uh, the Hoopa V for the Urshifu tech, but really, I think, uh, especially for the um, person who won the event, I didn't catch their name. But Pedro the the Pertusi. Pedro Pertusi. Pertusi. Right? Pertusi won the event. 
he really uh he really liked what Lucario V and V Star had to offer because Lucario V's first attack for two colorless energies discards a special energy off of your opponent's active Pokemon. That's insane. Like that's really good. Just to, if you if you're not getting any setup, you can disrupt your opponent a little bit. But the big attack doing two forty uh, if your opponent's active Pokemon is a V. Plus choice belt is nothing to sleep at. That's big damage at any point. And I don't I, I wanna ask him how many times he actually got the other V star attack off as opposed to doing brilliant uh what is it, Starbirth? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just doing Starbirth. I wanna know how many times he actually got uh opted to use that one first. But uh, Lucario was a uh it, Lucario V Star is a card that we've talked about on our podcast and just like in general, like it's a good card. You can't build a single deck around it. But it's definitely splashable in something, and Pedro proved that that's correct because he won, and now Lucario is finally getting some some uh, headlines. I mean, looking at the format and looking at all these different event results that we've talked about, you know, Arceus has been running the table, right? Arceus, absolutely, a uh, fighting weak Pokemon, if that. So, I mean, this was the time to shine for lucario and and really again with the different options that you have in this list the different um flexibility that you can provide adaptability to whatever matchup you're doing you know you have arceus for a lot of like arceus mirrors things like that you know being able to play um you have the dark pokemon as well the counters to like mew or any pokemon that is weak to dark with your crobat vmax like you mentioned earlier also auto winning the Malamar matchup that's kind of a pretty big deal because I mean you you do want to win that matchup although it's fallen off a little bit so maybe you can start forgetting about it I don't hmm, I don't know but if you don't if you don't check it naturally it'll always come back we it, don't want Malamar to come it helps back. Am that I right? am I right hey 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 this is the only deck that I have built but anyways <laughs> I mean Crobat VMAX as well the the reason why it's also really cool that it counters Malamar is because Crobat VMAX one shots a Mew VMAX. So naturally you have the Crobat yeah. VMAX to take out Mew. And then as a result of that, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I'm taking out Malamar as well, which always helps. And the inclusion of Hoopa V Hoopa V as well. We uh we've seen Hoopa V in a couple of lists. We haven't really mentioned what it is for anyone who doesn't know what the fusion strike Hoopa V is. It has an ability to hit for fighting and dark weakness or wait what is it no it hits as like a weakness it's a psychic type and a um and a uh dark type that's what it is so so being both a dark and a psychic type in terms of its attacks it does excellent coverage in terms of checking urshifu v max does an excellent job of checking mu v max and any of those Pokemon that have a weakness to Psychic or Dark, and what's the, is it Grass Weakness that it, that um, Hoopa V is yeah, weak it, to? It, it totes a Grass Weakness, so that Beedrill was probably checking all of them. <laughs> but, I mean, anyways, in the Beedrills that we've seen a lot in terms of in this past weekend, a lot of the Beedrills were included in Arceus decks right yeah. something that you probably won't use too much with hoopa v so hoopa v being an excellent pokemon 
to be able to provide because if you're facing let's say uh Arceus B drill deck Isaiah Bradner's going up against this deck Pedro's probably not using Hoopa Pedro's probably using oh, not at all Pedro's using you know Arceus in Lucaria so again having that flexibility having that adaptability as well to whatever situation construct a game plan um about this and especially with across this weekend across all of the different decks that we've seen whether that's Arceus list Urshi food things like that we're seeing three different energy lines in all of these lists you know we've seen double turbo dark fighting double turbo water fighting you know all of these grass even as well like we've seen so many different options and it's so cool to see that because it's been it's it's felt like a long time when was the last time we had decks that had just so many different energies in a list i'm trying to think if while i've been playing since like uh august 2019 if there's been a deck like that i think the last one was like tina chomp Tina Trump and uh, Ultra Necrozma Malamar was the last because uh, they had Steel and Psychic. Yeah, and just and those are just two uh, different the, types. And a little gem for all you uh for uh all you old souls listening to the pod. Way back when Sun and Moon came out, there was a deck called Sogaleo GX and Lorantis GX that had grass and <laughs> grass and steel type energy. And those are just two different lines of energy. So seeing three of them is just awesome, in my opinion, to see in this format, again, the different flexibility. And this RCS list specifically running the Barrel engine, you know, a lot of times we've seen just the Shady Dealings engine with the Intellions, but now we're getting to see the Beavers. I, I mean, listeners of the pod will know that I love the Beavers and how the Beaver has been included in uh, lists as of late. Absolutely love it, but really, really cool in my opinion. Again, Lucario VNV Star were promos in collection boxes that came out very recently. So if you want your Lucarios to add to your list, very, very cool card. Definitely, you could either go buy the boxes if you want to open some packs and things like that along the way, or you could just buy them as promos, which are not that expensive because the promos in those boxes usually aren't that expensive. But looking at the rest of the um, top eight in terms of this event, you have some Mew VMAXs in here. As always, you have some Arceus V-Star different archetypes, a couple different ones. You see the Beedrill in here. You see an Ice Rider Calyrex, which is an interesting comeback. But you see in here also a couple different Sylveon. Don't click on it, don't. Don't work. It, don't it work. doesn't work? No. <laughs> oh, well, I will say, thank you for pointing that out. I will say that my friend Kyle as well, shout out to my buddy Kyle, also piloted an RCV star kind of Sylveon list. And it's kind of, as you could say, like a counter box list. I don't have the exact 60. I should have should have freaking asked him to send it to me. Dang. Um, but it's basically a counter box deck, you know, similar to like the Lucario V Star Hoopa V. You just have a lot of different options of Pokemon that will attack for weakness, you know, of different uh, opponents in this format, whether it's dark weakness, fighting weakness, you know, Sylveon hitting for that psychic as well, or just using Arceus for the different options of the format. As of right now, Gustavo Watto getting 15th jumping off the urshifu 
I will say. So that is very interesting. You know, we talk about the fall of Urshifu in this weekend, this extravaganza, and not even the winner of last week. Or the, was it last week or the week before? Uh, I think it was the week before. Either way, the last yeah. winner, you know, not not piloting last the archetype. Big winner. Yeah, and didn't even want to play Urshifu, so you know it's hot garbage. I'm just kidding. It's a really good deck. It's just very difficult. And again, you know, we've talked about this many times on the Metapod podcast, and you'll hear this for any, you know, podcast, whether it's Tag Team, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Max Lowe's Pod, you know, all of the different Pokemon podcasts. You know, metas evolve, a metas shift, you know, decks become really good, and then the next weekend they're not so good because of different counters, people playing different decks to strategize against you and uh how different decks are tweaked to tech against you and things like that but what's kind of the biggest uh takeaway in your opinion overall in terms of the competitive meta this weekend max low um expect the unexpected for sure and if you're going if you're going to a big tournament like indy or Sao Paulo, or not Sao Paulo, Bilbao, a special event, or Joinville, don't hammer and focus in on one specific archetype. Like, don't be like, oh, I need I need to tech versus Urshifu, because there is a high chance that you're not going to even see it until, like, day two, if you make it to day two. So that is, that's my biggest takeaway. Um, I'm, I was initially plan, game planning for Urshifu leading up to Indy, and I didn't see but one, so I'm glad I uh, pulled back the reins on that one. But, yeah, um, I mean, preparing for events, you have to be ready for a lot. You know, you have to be aware of the meta, knowing that, you know, Arceus V-Star is a very, very popular card. You're probably going to see it a lot. You know, you could see it a lot. You know, uh, different dark counter box decks, maybe Beedrill, if you had the foresight, of seeing all the awesome Beedrill lists. Oh, Beedrill's nasty. It was, it's just incredible to see. I love, I love the ability of single uh, strike mustard to just be able to throw down a Beedrill whenever you want. That was thrilling. That got my blood pumping. But anyways. And then, the, oh, I had one more take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, As far as the meta goes, it seems to me that the meta like decks are evolving like as far as techs and stuff like that but i think the meta has finally like it, it formulated and centralized into the fact that the three best decks are mu v max arceus insert something um and urshifu for sure even though urshifu didn't have a good showing um that doesn't mean it's still not a top uh top threat in the meta um just because a good pilot can do it and as you can see a lot of uh top players opted not to play it which is another reason why i think it didn't do so hot but that's my takeaways the meta and the tournaments itself top three decks are still arceus i think arceus might be on top this time but arceus mew and urshifu i would 100 percent agree with you in that statement you know a lot of people will listen to this podcast uh, look at the results and say, oh, Urshifu, you know, maybe not a tier one deck anymore. You know, it's tier two or tier 2.5 or three or whatever you want to do in your tier lists or whatever. But I, I would agree. And I think a lot of other like top players will agree that Urshifu is still a good deck. 
you know it just wasn't its weekend it's how the meta evolves how these irl events happen and we'd like to thank you for joining us on this pod maxwell big thank you to you for uh for joining me a kind of last second you know is uh (laughs) you hit me up on my like i was mid drive (laughs) i was i was booking it to uh indianapolis regionals and you're like what are you doing monday I don't know, sleeping. Are you gonna <laughs> Are you gonna be back to join me on this? But Maxwell, yeah. where can people find you? Because you make content as well, excellent content. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Max M A X Floatcast F L O W T K A S T. That's my Twitter handle. I'm on YouTube as Floatcast F L O W T K A S T, and that's the same as the pod uh, Twitch streams. I'm not sure on the Twitch and stuff like that just yet because I am going to Jersey regionals next week. Um, so you can find me in Jersey next Friday, but yeah. Quick, I mean, what's the play for I Jersey? Mean, Leak it. Uh, <laughs> uh, when in doubt, play Mew, play Mew. Play, Mew I mean, play. I think anybody will tell you this. Just play whatever you're most comfortable with. You know that's probably Absolutely. what you're that's probably what you're going to do best with is whatever deck you are most comfortable with and and things like that. 100%. But thank you so much for listening to the MetaPod podcast, the Pokemon podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. Leave a review if you well, whether you like us or hate us, rate the podcast on Apple, Spotify, um and leave a nice YouTube comment as well. Reminder, we're going to be opening Astral Radiance here on the YouTube channel exclusively astral radiance content early before its release sean was blessed to get astral radiance product and uh we're gonna open it here on this podcast i'm gonna be opening it too i don't know when that will go up because i'm leaving for houston but soon anyways have a great rest of the day thank you again max love